Coming up, John Norris on crushing cartels with a thin green line. Welcome to another edition of Real American Heroes. I'm Oliver North. Our guest today, John Norris, a recently retired California game warden lieutenant who spent 28 years combating wildlife resource destruction on the West Coast. John co-developed and led his agency's marijuana enforcement team, the MET, and a Delta team, America's first wilderness special operations unit. And he's an expert at combating the drug cartel's destruction of our nation's wildlife resources. John's latest book, Hidden War, chronicles the Met's first six years of operations, and it's been featured on Nat Geo's Wild Justice TV series. He also hosts Recall TV's Thin Green Line film series and co-hosts the Thin Green Line and Warden's Watch podcast. John, thanks for taking time to join us today. You know, what you've got here in this book, and I did review it, and I did give you the thumbs up on it, you talk about, write about, the threat to public safety and wildlife resources and how the cartels have even been called modern examples of eco-terrorism. What's the American public need to know about what's happening? Yeah, Colonel, it's it's kind of an eye-opener for the American public in general and even for us as game wardens to uh, to come in to fight this battle within, uh, within the borders of America. And first off, I need to say a great, great thank you and gratitude for taking the time to read the book before we published it and endorse it because you were able to help get that message out right when right when this book dropped. And although our agency as Game Wards in California and about 25 other states in the Union, Colonel, have been dealing with this problem to some extent, some level or another, the public still is, is largely unaware of it. Um, this book came out 10 years after my first book, uh, War in the Woods. And when I was on the East Coast at the NRA Annual and other conventions, you know, getting this book distributed, I got the same response from so many people that would pick up and purchase the book, get a signature, and just be baffled by the content of what the message was and say, Lieutenant, we had no idea the cartels were in America and had anything to do with destroying wildlife, waterways, and our wildlands. And what the American public really needs to know is that we do have embedded cartel elements working in American borders 24-7. Um, they are producing on our wildlands, in our public parks, in our national forests, and on large tracts of rural private lands, Colonel, tainted cannabis for the black market. Now, this isn't the legitimate cannabis industry where some states have legalized. This is black market cannabis that's being sold all over America to unsuspecting kids, medical patients, that happens to be toxically tainted with EPA banned poisons and pesticides that these guys have to import from across the border on the Mexico side that they put on the plants, they put in the waterways, they put throughout the camps to keep every living organism from, from tampering with their cash crop. John, how do they get these poisons? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting uh, caveat there, Colonel, how they do that. Basically, these are poisons that are banned by the EPA in the US and other first world countries but they are not regulated in third world countries. So they are available in Mexico. Most of these cartel groups actually get them and, and grab supplies, if you will, caches of these poisons in Tijuana before they smuggle up their tier one growers and cartel operatives, whether it be through a tunnel system, panga boats off the West Coast shoreline, or other ways through vehicles and other trafficking methods that they get um, basically cartel criminals across the border illegally to grow this tainted weed do human trafficking, methamphetamine, fentanyl production, everything that the cartels are known for, it's the same group or uh, different factions of that group 
doing these crimes. Well, look, cannabis, deregulation of cannabis and, and pot or whatever one wants to call it, was supposed to create enormous revenues for the various states like California and supposed to have a positive impact on reducing the black market for cannabis. But it, that hasn't happened. No, sir. Unfortunately, it has not happened. In fact, we've seen just the opposite. And I'm going to take my old home state of uh, California, the Golden State, as an example. California is certainly the weed state because it's a Mediterranean climate, one of only six in the world that's truly Mediterranean. So outdoor growing can happen almost 10 months of the year. Uh, the Emerald Triangle in Northern California is known for producing some of the most potent and effective cannabis for both the black market and now in California, the regulated market. Um, but what we noticed when we enacted Proposition 64 two years before I retired, everyone had hoped that that would just make the problem go away. And that's largely what was marketed from regulation. What it did in effect is it actually fired up the black market even more severely because of the uh, inspection standards, the permits necessary, the regulation oversight that legitimate cannabis requires and actually needs, especially on the environmental crime front. Those costs were so high for so many growers that they just went into the black market even deeper. Now for cartel criminals from south of the border that are embedded in our national public parks and, and wildlands, it didn't matter what was regulated. The bottom line is they can grow very, very potent marijuana, albeit that it's poisoned and tainted, and they can get that out on the black market all over the country for a third or less the cost of what legitimate marijuana or cannabis will be sold throughout the market. So it is not working as regulation sits right now, unfortunately. And other states that have tried to regulate besides California have seen the same problem. Well, I want, I want to tease the book again, because you describe the gunfights and the numerous canine deployments that your team engaged in apprehending armed cartel growers. Just give our audience a, a tease about what some of these remarkable efforts are, are particularly with Phoebe, that uh, wonderful dog. <laughs> yeah, I always like, I'm glad you mentioned her, Colonel. I always like to talk about canine Phoebe and all of our dogs because they are truly lifesavers. But I'll start by going into just the nature of violence we have encountered because of the nature of these, these cannabis criminals that we're dealing with. Um, Basically, uh, our team um, from even before we were formed up um, in 2005, August 5th is a day I'll never forget. It's when I was involved with, in my first officer involved shooting my first gunfight with cartel gunmen when we were working with the sheriff's department out of Santa Clara County, actually the Silicon Valley foothills of all places, the tech capital of the world. And we're in eye shot of Google and Cisco and eBay and Facebook headquarters and literally getting into gunfights with AK-47 armed cartel growers in open space property, basically county park property. Um, one of my partner wardens who had been on just a year at the time, amazing game warden, was shot with one AK-47 round through both legs and it was bleeding out of four holes while we waited three hours for an air rescue. Um, when we encountered that level of violence, we all knew on the law enforcement front, these were not just, you know, kind of sedate growers trying to make a living on the black market, kind of hiding out in our woods. These were organized, calculated, and in some cases, highly trained criminal operatives that were willing to be as violent as they need to, to protect their cash crop and not get caught. That colonel was one of six gunfights we had had up until the point I retired at the end of 2018. And so the reason the marijuana enforcement team on our agency front was built was to dedicate game wardens with tactical backgrounds and give them the tactical training, the skill sets, develop a sniper team, bring the best canines to the game so that we could concentrate on dealing with this 
enhanced criminal threat, if you will, on the wildlife front, because these, these cartel growers are not traditional poachers by any means, and handle it more effectively so we were safer. Um, we got more tainted cannabis out of the woods, and we could restore and rectify the environmental destruction and the poison waterways and loss of habitat that was out there. And, and you being a conservationist yourself, as you pointed out in my book review, to see that impact on wildlife and the threat to our public all over, not only California, but the entire country, is just something the public does not need to deal with and something we need to stop. So that's why we reformed. That's how dangerous these guys can be. And one of the things, Colonel, that really saved us from about, no exaggeration, 20 or more gunfights during that five, six years when I was with the team was canines like Phoebe. And Phoebe was one of those one in a million canines, a Belgian Malinoff, female, friendly as all friendly can be, like our yellow labs we used to hunt waterfowl and whatnot. And, and my companion canine, uh, canine Apollo that worked with me and Jordan for years. But Phoebe is one of these, uh, when it was all business and she got in the woods with an operator team to go after these cartel growers, she wasn't messing around. She ended up retiring at 13 years old with about 114 apprehension bites where she had to bite criminals that were pulling guns on us and or deploying other weapons. And on top of that, Colonel, she had 900 arrests where she bait a suspect where they did that she didn't have to bite and they gave up. So when you look at the level of criminality and the, and the violence that these guys are capable of and that they could hurt anybody that comes across their grow site, whether it be kids on a, an outdoor adventure hike, a summer camp, mountain bikers, equestrians, just general outdoor recreating public and hunters and anglers like ourselves, she saved a lot of lives. And also what the canines do by not only saving officer lives is when they get a bite deployment on an armed gunman that wants to do us harm with a firearm, they actually delay that from happening enough because of the bite duress that we can go in and make an apprehension where, yeah, they're going to get hurt. They're going to get beat up pretty good by the dog, but they're not going to get shot because we're not going to have to do that to save our lives or the lives of our teammates. So it's really a life-saving element on both sides sure. of the fence. And uh, we lost uh, we lost Phoebe, as I described in the book, one of the more emotional, harder moments um, in July of 2018 after a great career because she had got leukemia. Um, she was technically still operational, Colonel, as a deployable canine at 13 years old. She was healthy enough to still go do the job, which is phenomenal. But the cancer got her yeah. and we had to um, you know, pay, pay our respects and see a, a great teammate on the team go. But we've got a lot of other canines in and around her, not only with our agency, sir, but U.S. Fish and, uh, U.S. Forest Service, BLM, the Sheriff's Department have all gotten into getting these canines trained the right way if they're going to do the cartel cannabis black market production operations because they just help us so much and keep us safe. John, in the time we got left, real quickly, the, this book, you folks, I got it before COVID hit the world from China. Has COVID-19 affected any of this, the, the, the trespass cannabis cultivation or the operations against them? Yeah, Colonel, it really has. You know, I keep in touch with my teammates and the new team leader that replaced me um, really several times a month at least and sometimes do work back in California and get to integrate with the team a little bit and just get some information. But basically, COVID was kind of an open door. It was like a free party for the cartels uh, because game wardens being part of the thin green line and being so few of us out there doing this job to fight these cartels in the woods, we, like all other law enforcement from an allied agency standpoint, were pulled into medical response for COVID problems, 
um, you know, the riots and civil unrest issues that have, have erupted all over the country, as you're well aware, along with the COVID pandemic. And because of the COVID threat, many federal and state agencies were basically shut down for health reasons right. from going after these cartel growers, having any potential interaction with them if they were to have COVID, because these guys are from all over South America, Mexico, um, they're they're in the country spread out, and obviously they're not paying attention to pandemic uh, safety public standards. So given that, it's been off the hook. Um, uh, many teams have not even been able to operate until they got through all the COVID protocol two or three or four months late into this 2020 growing season. And literally, my Met brothers down there in California right now are doing at least one mission a week and sometimes six, seven, eight missions and diversifying and breaking up into other teams just to make a dent on all the hundreds of growth sites they're finding because the cartels feel like it's free reign out there with this COVID distraction. I admire what you've done and what you're doing, brother. I think the American people need to know more about this. Uh, they'll be able to tune in and rerun this episode of American Heroes. And you, John, are one of those American heroes. Thank you for being with us. Colonel, thanks so much for having me on and helping spread the message. And, and thanks for being part of the Thin Green Line always. God bless you, buddy. Folks, if this Real American Heroes broadcast has been informative, helpful, encouraging, take time now to subscribe and let me know how these unprecedented events have affected you and yours. By doing so, you too become part of the historical record of how America persevered and once again prospered. Until next time, remember, Semper Fidelis is more than a slogan for U.S. Marines. Always faithful is a way of life.